Welcome to the Korean Medis Podcast. I am your host, Nisar Ahmed, and I'm the founder and editor of the blog KoreanMedis.com. And this is actually episode 42 of the podcast. And this episode is part of the Career Expert series. And for each of these episodes of, of the Career Expert series, I've interviewed career professionals and career counselors who will be sharing their ideas and wisdom to help today's job seekers with their job search and career success. And for today's episode, I'm interviewing Paul Ames from Sky's the Limit Career Counseling. Hey, Paul, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Nassar. It's uh, an absolute honor to be on, and, and thank you for uh, asking me. I really appreciate it. Uh, you're welcome. It's, it's a pleasure. I've uh, seen uh, what you have done with your blog, your podcast, and your business. I like the name, Sky's the Limit Career Counseling, something you remember, but uh, it's Sky's with a Y. Y-E, sorry, S-K-Y-E-S. So can you tell me how you came up with that name? Yeah, sure. Well, um, I've got a, my three-and-a-half-year-old daughter is named Sky, and I've always loved the name Sky's the Limit or the quote, the Sky's the Limit. Uh-huh. So I kind of just blended the both because they, they both mean a lot to me. So that's where my, my name came from. That sounds great. And, Paul, where are you calling from? Where are you based out of? Uh, I'm in Perth, Western Australia. Oh, Wow. So uh, I believe I've spoken to someone, uh, like one other individual from Australia in this podcast in the past. One thing I want to ask, it's, I always like to start off with something, this question, which it's because you're calling all the way from Australia. Can you tell or share something about Perth that a lot of people do not know about unless they have been there? Hmm. Oh, that's a, that's a good one. I guess, yeah, Australia or Perth, Perth's quite a, a laid back kind of place. Um, it's quite big and uh, Western Australia in general is quite big on the mining industry. Uh-huh. Um, I used to work in the mines myself, uh, yeah, beforehand. And yeah, it's uh, quite a quite a relaxed kind of chilled out sort of a place as opposed to the, the craziness and hustle and bustle of the eastern states like uh-huh. Melbourne and Sydney. Uh-huh. So yeah, Perth's, Perth's quite a, a calm, relaxed place, not, not so chaotic, so... No, it's, I, I like to, I like that question because it gets, yeah, I like to, even though I'm not there and the listeners are not there right now, it's always good to know a little bit about the towns or the cities my guests are calling from. Uh, so thanks for sharing that tidbit. So Paul, why don't you start us off by telling a little bit, uh, actually a little more about yourself and also about uh, the business, uh, Sky's the Limit Career Counseling. Yeah, sure. So I, I first noticed my biggest issue, like many of us, um, I never had any guidance or direction in high school. Uh, I kind of just floated through. I felt like I never really got any support, especially with moving forward or trying to figure out what career path to take. And thus, I never really tried in high school. I used to skip school or just not really have any interest in school because of that lack of purpose or direction. Um, as a result, I finished year 12 um, and still had no guidance or direction, ended up just job hopping all the way through till I was 30. And then suddenly I'd done a variety of jobs. I've worked as a baker. I've worked in the mines as an underground tire fitter. Yeah, so so many different jobs. It's, uh, it's actually mind-boggling to think. Um, and then when I hit 30, I randomly saw an advert for a diploma of counselling. 
And I found that I've always had the natural ability where a lot of my friends have come to me with issues or problems. And I've always found it really easy and quite, quite simple. And uh, it doesn't take much work for me to, to really help people and, and build rapport and engage people. So I, I thought, you know what, I, I'm going to give this a shot. And, and then I realized that careers was my biggest pain point or not having that direction, all the negative emotions I went through growing up and in high school. I didn't want others to experience the same issues I went through. So that's why I specialized in career counseling. So I did my diploma and specialized in careers. And I knew straight away I wanted to start my own business because I've always had that that kind of entrepreneurial flair, really just wanted to work for myself and make an impact on the world. So that's basically how my business started and I just haven't looked back since then. That's a great story, Paul, because uh, you shared about some of your personal challenges and now you morphed that into something where you help others. So it's always good. I like to hear people's stories because there's always a good natural progression. Seems like you're helping people with the lessons that you have learned yourselves. It's all, that's always valuable. I think that's the reason people come to you. Definitely. And I, I find that's one of the, the best things is being able to relate to people and the uh, potential pain points they're going through at that current stage of their career journey or their life. Then it's always easy to, to be able to relate to them. So we talked about challenges and pain points a couple of times in the last little while here now. So when people come to you, I'm curious, what are the biggest challenges they usually come to you with? The main things I've noticed people come to me for, it's either one of two things. It's either to get their resume done or help with uh, job interviews, or it's to find direction. A lot of um, a lot of people are um, either really confused and lost, and they've either been in. I, I tend to work with a professional market now. That's that's who I, I can relate to quite well from being in local government for so long. And I find that people are in these jobs. They've either studied and done these careers and been working in these jobs for you know five or six years, and they've lost all passion and motivation and drive for the role, or potentially they never really had much when they went into it. They were just kind of listening to the influences of others, or you know, quite often that's quite a, such a powerful point. I talk a lot, a uh, fair bit in my blogs and my articles as well, um, where people's influence of others affects their career choices, and it's it's. Good to hear what people say, but don't take it on board and don't let that be gospel. So I find that, yeah, a lot of people have got into these jobs that they're not really happy with um, and they just feel completely stuck and confused. And I've noticed that a lot of the clients are in such a bad spot um, emotionally. They're, they're really miserable in what they do that they just need a change and they need something to, to happen to make themselves happier again. And that's yeah, where I come in and help them out. That's No, that's great to hear. So you, a couple of the things you mentioned is resumes, interviews, even even more of a direction in which which uh, direction advice and in which direction to go to. So before we get into the actual resume interviews, I wanted to ask you this question. When someone is looking for a new job or switching careers, how important is having the right mindset? I, I think it's absolutely crucial. I've, I found that people, some people have contacted me and They've thought they wanted to change career direction, but they haven't been in the right frame of mind. Um, and they don't, they call me and, and don't ever, no matter when I follow up, they don't push forward with it or want to, they're not that dedicated and committed to making the change. Uh -huh. So I think um, I talk about this a lot I've, um, in my online course as well on mindset is the difference between a growth and a fixed mindset. 
And a lot of people have got such a fixed mindset where they think that their intelligence is stuck. They, they can't develop anymore. They can't grow. What you're, what you're given is what you've got. And it's just not true. Everyone can be, you know, ref, everything can be refined and developed and, and changed in your life. No, nothing is stuck in concrete and set in stone. So I think um, it's, it's actually a crucial point. Like all of the most successful people in the world will have a growth mindset where they believe that, you know, everything can be developed and everything can be changed. So I, I think that's such a crucial point. A lot of people, you know, just let these, I always call it like um, your limiting beliefs. People have these limiting beliefs and, um, you know, automatic thoughts that pop into our head. I mean, we all have automatic thoughts that come into our head, but a lot of people just take them on board as they don't challenge them. They don't try and, you know, question why are these thoughts coming up? Why am I thinking like this? How, how truthful is this? What's the likelihood that, you know, this potential disaster that I'm coming up with in my own head is actually going to occur? I think a lot of people just become so overwhelmed with these thoughts that it consumes them and stops them ever moving forward. I like the fact that you mentioned the growth mindset and fixed mindset. Recently, I read a book. The author's name is Carol Dweck, and the book is called Mindset. And she spends the entire book talking about the both, the fixed and growth. And you obviously mentioned that the successful people have a growth mindset. But what if someone has a fixed mindset for many years how difficult or easy is it? How difficult is it to change that? I think it's quite hard. Um, it, everything can be changed. It's just because it's been ingrained in you so long. I think I remember reading somewhere that all of our patterns and beliefs are formed from the time where I think it was from where zero to seven years old. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our beliefs and patterns and values and everything is formed from then. And it, it takes a little while to obviously break some of those patterns and beliefs. Um, and there has to be, I think a lot of it comes down to, especially relating to career and career direction. If people are being told, yeah, you can't do this, you can't do that all the time, that starts to become ingrained into someone's head that they're not capable. So by reflect, I find that often with my clients reflecting on some of the amazing things that people have done in their career and their life and, and going back over their previous accomplishments, it starts to make them realize that, yes, you can do these things. You have done these amazing things. Like I, um, I relate to my very first client. I had um, she was from Melbourne and she'd done some amazing things in her career. She'd been an international stockbroker and done some really high-end professional roles. And because she'd been out of the workforce for a little while, she'd lost all of her confidence and had a lot of self-doubt creeping in. And she'd forgotten all of the stuff that she'd achieved and what she was truly capable of. Um, so by me reflecting and going over everything that she'd done and the accomplishments and actually I think a lot of the time reinstating and re- reaffirming what people's core values and beliefs are and what your natural abilities are, it really just helped build up that confidence. I've always had a lot of feedback from my clients so that's probably one of the best things that I help them with is always motivate and drive them and, and help them reignite their confidence. So I, I've found that, yeah, that's that's one of the biggest things. If, if it has been stuck as a fixed mindset for a long time, it's often just reflecting on what you've done and finding out, um, you know, what you are capable of because our potential really is unlimited. We can do anything we really want. Very interesting. And I, I, like, the, I like the example of your client because uh, it's too, too often, I think it's human nature, we are always... We always focus on what's not working, then what has worked, how, how our past successes, extra, etc. Sometimes it's good to have a coach like you who can show them that direction because sometimes we need someone from outside to tell us what we have done well in the past. Definitely. That's so very true. I think we get so caught up with, you know, friends and family and, and often these people uh, are quite 
judgmental in their opinions. As much as we love these people and they're very dear to us, they, they often have their own agenda or their own, quite often it's, you know, they'll tell you you can't do something or you shouldn't go towards that path, even if that's something you're absolutely passionate about, because they don't want to feel often like, you know, they're not succeeding or that you're going to be chasing your dream or they could be jealous that you're finding something you're passionate about. So I think that's a, a big, big influencer in a lot of people's lives that stops them actually getting to where they want to be. That's a good point. And now now the next question I have is once you have fixed or help them change their mindset, I shouldn't say fixed because help improve their mindset. What 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 do you recommend what they do afterward? Is there a is do you have some steps that you recommend they take or uh, what would typically be the next steps for them? Yeah, I usually find that as, because your mindset's such an ongoing thing and, you know, we all go through times where we're, you know, miserable or, or some, something can make us unhappy um, and it's all about just kind of trying to keep yourself in that positive state and focus on your goal. So I find that once once you figured out your career direction, it, it's going to be challenging or your career is like a big ongoing thing in your life. So you know, it never stops. You never stop growing and never stop learning. So um, once, once we've uh, helped people with their mindset, Usually that's when I'll explore their personality a lot more because quite often you'll see people and you can tell straight away just from talking to them, they've lost their confidence or they've lost their drive or motivation. And because they're in a job that they're miserable in, they often feel like they can't get a way out or that there's no escape for them when really there is, they're just creating these own thoughts in their head. So once you've moved past or created a a more positive mindset where they realize they can move forward, I find that then the next element to get into is really truly understanding themselves. So understanding, like I said, your core values, that's probably one of the most important things to understand in your career. And then understanding your natural abilities and your skills and strengths. I've seen it time and time again from interviewing as well in, in local government where I've been on interview panels where people just can't express or portray their greatest strengths. When you ask them the question, so many people struggle to actually talk about themselves or to, to really put themselves in the best light possible moving into uh, getting into a future role. So quite often, this is where I really explore with my clients. I've got some um, some really great online tools I use for this and my own tools I've created that help people uncover their natural abilities and their strengths. So once they've built that base foundation of their mindset, that's when I'll really help them pull out all of the amazing things within them and within their own head, like I said, with their values and strengths and skills so that they feel more confident as well. So it just keeps building the blocks up into what the, who they are and what they really stand for and what they want out of their career. You mentioned a word which I thought was very important, core values. Can you can you tell me what that means? Like what, what, do, you, what do you mean by core values? Yeah, sure. So your core values are some of the most important things to you. So for example, I'll give you an example of my own core values. So to me, the most important things to me are my family, flexibility, having a variety in my work. Um, So they're probably my three biggest core values. So I I got into my business initially, one, because I want the flexibility and not being told, um, you know, when you need to work, when you need to come in. But my main driver is to provide a better better life for my family. So it's really understanding what's the most important to you in life, your core values. So they often come from within. They're they're often um, things in your life, like I just said, uh, there's I've got a list of um, which I'd love to share with your audience um, of the top 50 I think it's 50 to 60 core values and it just gives you a breakdown and understanding of you know some of the things that you could see as most important to you in your life 
And once you've got clarity, clarity is always the biggest first step. Once you've got clarity in who you are and what you stand for, it's always easier moving forward into helping you understand, like aligning these core values into a career that allows you to bring them out. So um, I'll just put it into perspective. So what I always do with my clients, I kind of set out like a spreadsheet. So where I have uh, your core values, your natural abilities, your strengths, I put them all down one side. And it's all about working through clues and getting definitive components out of your career. So getting these these things that you can't do without or couldn't do without moving forward into your career. And then finding the career titles, for example, I'll put it this way. So having a brain surgeon, if that was a career you're interested in, and one of your top core values was work-life balance or spending time with your family, quite often that wouldn't really align with those sort of things. So that's probably not a career that's going to help you uh, distribute and um, utilize your core values. So that's why they're so important to actually get clarity and understand who you are and how you can move forward into a career that allows you to match them. Yeah, thanks for digging deep into that, Paul, because a lot of people, especially job seekers, they are in a rush to get a job and they, they don't stop to reflect on that because you might get a job, but if the values of the company, your potential employer are totally different from your own, then you're not necessarily doing yourself a favor, right? Uh, it, you might be unhappy after a few months. Exactly. And that's what a lot of people find that, you know, they just don't, their, their values don't match their employer's values. And, mm-hmm. you know, I always relate it to, this is a classic example I always use. You wouldn't get someone who's a environmentalist um, and their values are quite environmentally and um, looking after the planet working for BP because, yeah, they're, obviously their values just don't align. So that's what I mean by it. That's one of the most crucial things to, to align with uh, a potential career path is once you're really understanding yourself and what's the most important to you. Okay. Yeah, that is a good example. I think it uh, hits the point hard. So now, the next thing is now we've talked about the core values, the mindset. In terms of uh, the actual the tools, for example, resumes, cover letters, what would you recommend are some of your tips that you that you you would like to share? Yeah, so with resumes, I've always found that keeping it clear and concise um, is the best thing ever. Um, obviously, everyone, a lot of people know that the old rule where uh, recruiters only look at your resume for, now this time varies, I've heard so many variations of this, but I think it's between two to five minutes personally from what I've seen put, uh, in the role of um, interviewing people as well. So I think having everything clear and succinct where it's legible, it's easy to read, uh, it's a really good font style, that, that makes such a big difference. So uh, there's, there's a lot of things, there's a do's and don'ts. I mean, everyone has a different opinion on resumes, but I always find that little things make a difference and attention to detail. For example, there's things that you don't need to add in there, like a lot of people put like phone, like phone number in there, for example. I don't think you need to do that. I think you just need to put your number and like, likewise with email, you just need to put your email address. You don't need to tell people that this is your phone number, this is your email address. The, the people already know that from looking at it. I personally always like having uh, three referees at the end of it. I know there's that difference of opinion there as well, but I just think, you know, it's a lot easier to have your referees on tap for to save them having to chase you up and follow you up when they're quite busy already. It makes makes a big difference. But uh the most crucial element I've found is writing a really standout uh, introduction or professional introduction of yourself. A lot of people get this wrong where they, they tend to go into too much detail about 
their personal life or their personal interests when all an employer really wants to know is that they're going to get a return in investment in hiring you. That's the sad and harsh reality of uh, employment in general is they want to make money off of you. Everywhere is a business and cash flow is king. So they, they just want to make a return in investment in hiring you. So what you really need to do in your, in your opening paragraph is portray, say if you're going for a sales role and you've got some amazing achievements where you've achieved, you know, the, the national sales target or increasing in revenue by $600,000 for the quarter, then you need to add those sort of things in your standout achievements and make them at the top of the page in the clearest space as possible where the employer can go, wow, this is what this guy's done for them. Imagine what he can do for us or this girl's done for us. Look what they can possibly achieve for our business. Uh, so the key point is it's about the employer and what they want to get out rather than you. So I think that's that's what you're trying to say, right? Like you have to make sure that the, the employer's goal is to maximize their investment so they want to hire candidates who do something good for them rather than where a lot of candidates get caught up is oh it's it's about me yeah i i think a lot of the case that is i think you need to it's kind of a fine line it's a bit of a balance between both on the scale so i think you need to bring out your biggest strengths and abilities and and display them and how you're the best candidate for the role but you also need to think of it from think of it like in your employer's shoes or your other recruitment of uh candidate uh, recruitment officers uh choose. So basically think, what would they be looking for? What's something that's going to make me really stand out for this role? Or how can I position myself from the stuff I've done? And a lot of that comes from understanding your um, transferable skills as well. A lot of people go, oh, I'm changing roles completely. I don't even know. Like I, I've often found with parents who've been out of the workforce for a long time, this is a, a really good example where parents lose a lot of their confidence and you know, they have done amazing things before they had kids and then suddenly they, they think, oh, I've got no no value to add anymore when it, it's it's not true at all. They've, they've done some amazing things as a parent. Like being a parent is they're quite a full-on full on role and you, you don't realise you've got incredible time management for managing, you know, one or two or more kids. You've got, you know, resilience. You've got um, communication skills, incredible communication skills to be able to reason with your children or get them to do things or persuasion techniques. So I think a lot of people need to reflect on what they've done in previous roles, look at the job description that they're going for, and really just have a look at the transferable skills that they can create. So for example, if you're going from a sales role into um, say a management role, if you've you've achieved great targets or if you've done budgeting or you know anything like that, you could say, I've done this in this previous role. How can I transfer that into this new role? What's some of the key elements they're looking for in this new role that I've done here and how can I word that differently to, to best fit this new role? Yeah, thanks for the clarifications on that. I think the, the next question I want to ask Paul is someone has listened to this or other advice and they've optimized their resume, they got the interview, uh, what would you recommend they can do during the interview uh, or, or maybe before, after, or during the interview that increase the chances of getting a job? Yeah, definitely. I've just written an article for the Influensive about this. I think this is such a crucial point. And a lot of people, I've actually had a, a corporate organization or a council in, in Australia in Perth uh, contact me about wanting me to work with their staff for internal job interviews. They told me a lot of their staff are, are bombing out on their internal interviews because they're 
they're yeah, fearful or the nerves are getting the best of them. And I find that that's the most common thing where people flunk the interviews or they don't do, they don't feel a, uh, live up to the best ability they can because they let nerves and fear overrule them. They, they tend to view an interview as them being interrogated or them being grilled almost like in front of a detective uh, when it's not that case at all. Basically, you should view a job interview just as a normal conversation uh, in front of two or three people. And I find that the best way to do that is a, a tool and technique that the um, Navy SEALs actually use. Um, it's called box breathing. So basically, it's a way to help calm and relax you. And by practicing this up to two weeks before you actually have your job interview, it helps calm and relax you and get you in that peak state of mind where you're able to really display and portray your biggest strengths and abilities and just have a normal, relaxed conversation. So how you do this is basically what you do is, first of all, you expel all of your air for four seconds. So breathe out as much as you can, get every bit of oxygen out of your lungs and likewise breathe in for four seconds then hold for four seconds and then exhale again. And by doing this, it slows and calms you, completely gets you in that peak state of mind and gets rid of a lot of the nerves and butterflies that you often find coming to the surface with job interviews. A lot of speakers and uh, keynote speakers actually do this technique and the, the uh, Navy SEALs and many other military uh, professionals actually use this technique to help them with uh, combat situations or anything fearful that they come into. So it, it works a really, really, really great technique to utilize. Yeah, I, I've uh, actually read about that. The Navy SEALs do uh, are getting into a lot into breathing and meditation to calm their nerves. And uh, if they do it, I'm sure, I mean, if they use it for their stressful situations, I'm sure you can use it for your interviews, right? <laughs> so that's definitely uh, right. <laughs> so that's, so I've, you told about how to calm the nerves, right? In terms of preparation, are there any tips that you would like to share? Or, how, or let me rephrase my question. How important is it to prepare when going into, let's say, the interview they have of, of, the, of the dream job, the dream company? I think preparation is key. It's such a key element to make you feel more confident. It's like going into anything unprepared. Like you, you're just going to be, you know, going off, flying off the bat and things aren't ever going to go as well as you can when you feel confident and, you know, prepared for something. So a key element to this is um, – I find understand a bit about the company. I understand as much as you can about the company, you know, find search online for any articles or find out about their CEO or find out about their core values. A lot of this you can do just by jumping on their website, find out about their mission statement or if this company actually aligns with what you are hoping to achieve or to progress forward into with your career. Um, Cause that's going to be a key indicator as to how, uh, how fulfilled and how happy you are in this career. If everything tends to align with what you really want in your career, obviously your, your drive and motivation is going to be a lot higher. Um, but some key elements to prepare for this, I always find take a little notepad in. Now there's a difference of uh, what goes on in a lot of job interviews. A lot of the ones I've seen of recent, they'll actually give you the questions to the job interview 10 to 15 minutes beforehand. I know not every workplace does this, but this is where taking a notepad in, if you are getting these questions beforehand, take key notes on these questions that you've got here or take notes of what you really want to what you want to say um, to answer these responses and, and what the best thing you can relate to is. A lot of the time with these questions you're going to be asked, they're basically just looking for real life experiences. I've, I've often found that a lot of people can't uh, give specific examples of real life experiences of where they've delivered this 
outcome or uh, response that the employer is looking for. A lot of people just kind of come up with a generic response, which is not what they're looking for at all. So always relate back to something in real life in your career that you've gone through and an and amazing outcome that you've achieved. That's what the employer wants to hear. Uh, because then they can then relate that into the role that you're doing or what you should be doing is, yeah, find that outcome or experience that you've created in a previous role or some part of your life and then transfer that into the, how that's going to work out for this role. Uh, the next question, Paul, is uh, how should people approach job search differently in today's economy? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I guess... Um, realize that a lot of jobs are actually being automated. There's still a ton of jobs and there always will be jobs that, uh, yeah, pe- people are going to be doing. But, you know, look at what industries are a great thing to jump on. I know for myself, I, I'm a regular, um, I'm looking at the employment projections and what industries are booming, what's growing and what industries are dying out altogether. So I guess looking at whatever state or country you're in, jump on the website and look on the employment projections for your for your country or your state and find out what industries are actually growing. I've often found that this is my biggest dilemma with um, a lot of universities here in Australia um, is a lot of people get into these courses. Universities seem quite happy just to take people's money and not give them realistic employment projections. So they just put them in these courses and often there's no employment opportunities in that. So, you know, I've, I've worked with a lot of students who've finished degrees in Bachelor of Science or, you know, something like that, and they're still working as a barista four years after that because they can't actually get employed in the field or they don't have any direction as to what they want to do with that degree. So I think looking at employment projections is probably one of the biggest things you can look at before you start your, your job search is to actually understand what areas are growing. Um, another, but a key element on that, I guess, is don't let that put you off altogether. Um, so, for example, I had a client who wanted to be an actor and I said, don't let it put you off. It, there, there is you know, not as many, obviously, um, employment opportunities as an actor, but you know, keep doing something that you, you enjoy, but keep doing the acting on the side. Don't give up on your dream just because there's no opportunities or, or minimal opportunities because you can create opportunities or you know, connect and network with people. Uh, use LinkedIn as an amazing tool to, to connect with these people. And you never know, any, any doors can open for you. I've, I've found it, you know, the best thing I've happened, has happened in my business is networking and connecting with people and utilizing my biggest strengths because that's where opportunities come from and that's where your biggest job opportunities will come from is connecting with these people in the industry that you're looking to get into and you know telling them that you're interested in uh you know starting a career in this area and and why you love the the field so much thanks paul i mean that's it's you mentioned a few good points there keeping abreast of what's happening is very important you want to make sure the education you're getting uh, the skills you're acquiring is still relevant today so that's a great point so Paul, we are coming towards the end. Uh, so a question I have, I think the last question I have for you is, uh, before we conclude, are there any, is, is there anything that you would like to add? Any last words? Yeah, I think uh, I, I, that's definitely my biggest point. What I touched on before um, is building up networks. And I know, like as you know as well from podcasting, um, you can build up some incredible networks, but I think it's just really understanding your biggest strengths and utilizing them. So I've always known that, you know, I, I love talking to people and meeting new people. Um, and then building building networks is probably one of the biggest things that's going to help you because, unfortunately, what they say is really, really true. It's who you know and not what you know a lot of the time. I mean, you've obviously got to have those core 
um, abilities or sometimes education or certificates to get into a role. But you can quite often leverage that from utilizing your amazing networks and having connections with people to help get your foot in the door for these roles. Paul, thanks for sharing all your uh, experience. Great information here for today's job seekers. You did mention there's a couple of links, uh, the uh, core values, etc. What I will do is I'll make sure to add them to when I'm when I'm writing up the blog post. So thanks for joining us all the way from Perth, Australia. It is a pleasure. Thanks for being a guest today on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for your time, Nassar. It's um, been great talking to you, and I, I hope uh, I've really added value to your audience. If, um, if anyone was interested in um, you know, finding out some more information, they can jump onto my Facebook group as well, where I add daily content that's going to help you move forward in your career as well. I will make sure to add that to the show notes as well. So thank you very much, Paul. Thanks, folks, for listening to this episode of the Kerry Metis Podcast. Uh, I have written a brief summary, as I mentioned, of the interview with all the resources and links that Paul has mentioned. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode and you learned something new, feel free to post a comment or a review. And if you really loved it, definitely go ahead and share the episode on your social media feeds. You can uh, subscribe to the Career Medis Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Until next time, this is Nisar Ahmed, your host for the Career Medis Podcast. Thank you. 